Hello, and welcome to the seventh episode of my podcast, Everyday Wife. If you're new here, welcome. My name is Annalise. I'm a 24-year-old wife and mother to my almost six-month-old, and I write on Instagram under the handle feminine underscore not underscore feminist, but that's probably how you found me. So today, we are joined by a very special guest, my friend Meg. Um, So I'm going to turn it over to her. Meg, could you tell us about yourself? Hi. Hi. My name is Meg Davis. I'm 35 as of this summer, and uh, Annalise and I met on Instagram. I write over at Meg Living Inside Out, um, and that handle kind of explains what I do and my mindset. I am all about turning my life inside out so that others can see the inner workings. Um, I have been walking with God pretty much for 30 years, which is kind of mind-boggling. But it's a huge gift. And being able to share my struggles, um, and even with all the mess that they are, I've seen God use that to really help people. Um, I'm also a creative. I uh, write short stories. I um, am an artist. And I have uh, dance films. I started my creative journey with ballet many years ago. And so um, I sort of do a lot of things. I'm also a wife. I'm not yet a mother. Ben and I have been married for almost five years and we are very happily, excitedly married. So (laughs) yeah. Um, Yeah. So Meg and I got connected about a year and a half ago, maybe. Well, it was before that. But we started talking. I think you just reached out and said, hey, because we had been following each other for a little bit and just interacting in DMs. And then you reached out and said, hey, do you want to do a video call? Um, I was like, sure. So we talked. And now we've been talking. Like, if we miss a week, it's like, it's a thing. I need you. Where are you? (laughs) Like, I need to tell you my life update. Right. And we we always (laughs) have to update each other on, like, very things that might seem small, but like, you must know what's going on with this thought in my head and Mm -hmm. help me parcel this out. So it's a great friendship because um, we're on the same wavelength about a lot of things. And I really appreciate that. We do a lot of thinking together. We do a lot of thinking and processing. And a lot of my posts have come out of conversations with Meg where, um, I don't know, just through the conversation, we were able to take these abstract concepts and put them in a structured form. Um, So highly recommend having a friend like that in your life. (laughs) So thank you, Meg. (laughs) Appreciate you. You're welcome. It's a pleasure to be here. (laughs) Um, So Meg, you, well, first of all, uh, this post or this podcast is going to be about productivity, but I talk a lot about productivity, as you probably know if you follow my page. Um, but it's productivity with a twist. Um, so, Meg, you wrote a post. When was it? It oh, was a gosh. while ago. Uh, February 21. February 21. And it dealt with the issue of... Um, of productivity in, in a different sort of way. So I'll just let you read that and talk about that. Sounds good. So the image for the post is very simply the words, patience listens. Um, and if you want to find it, I have it 
linked in both my goals highlight and my health highlight. And we urge you, brothers, admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with them all. 1 Thessalonians 5.14 The only way to discern the idle from the faint-hearted and weak is to listen. To be idle is selfishly lazy. To be faint-hearted is discouraged. To be weak is physically limited. The truly lazy need exhortation. In this case, the you-can-do-so-much-better-than-this lecture is an act of love. But the faint-hearted need something different, encouragement. Why are they discouraged? What's the source? And what's the biblical truth or display of godly beauty that they need to have their hope renewed? And for the weak, I am thinking of my fellow sufferers, everyone with an autoimmune disorder or chronic migraines or low thyroids or leaky guts, or toxic overloads, or burned out adrenals, or Lyme, or Crohn's, or POTS, or fibromyalgia, or endometriosis, or any other type of physical disability, or anyone struggling with any of these who is still undiagnosed. I know well the hurt of being admonished as lazy when I was simply weak. I know the discouragement of receiving emotional support when what I really needed was a strong set of hands to help me back on my feet. You are not alone. God is not judging you. He knows you need to be heard, and he knows you need help. May we all be listening. Wow. So I did not actually see this post until when you sent it to me last night, because we had already discussed that we were going to talk about this. Then you sent me that post, and I was like, Um, do I even need to do a podcast? Meg just said it all right here. Um, because I get a lot of questions when I post about laziness saying, can you address chronic illness? Can you address depression? Can you address the, the nuances in life that make productivity a very difficult thing for some people? And I have gone back and forth and struggled with how to talk about this. And I've said like, look, I'm addressing kind of like that verse, you know, I'm addressing the idol. I'm addressing the sluggard, like it talks about in Proverbs. But I wanted to find a way to talk about, um, to encourage those who are dealing with chronic illness and depression and things like that. And you brought out this amazing distinction that is in the word of God. There's a difference between the idol and the faint hearted. And it doesn't, you know, these can correlate to different seasons of our life. There can be seasons in our life when we're the idle person. Um, Absolutely. And then seasons where we're faint-hearted or seasons where we're weak. So could you talk a little bit about your own experience? Um, I'm just sort of leaving this open-ended because I just know you have a lot of good things to say and I don't want to restrict you. Um, yeah, I appreciate that. <laughs> so yeah, just have at it. All righty. Um, Well, the first thing that kind of stands out about me is I came out of the womb a sleepy baby. I had a low thyroid from when I was a child. And um, during this podcast, I'm not going to go in depth on a lot of the keywords that I drop, but all of the keywords are going to be at inversedream.com slash health. And so I'm going to listen to this entire podcast, take down those keywords. And my mom, who is much smarter than I, 
will help me, you know, get a brief little description and definition and then like link to wherever, you know, so there's more resources because if we were going to just talk about medical stuff, like that well, would be not my expertise. <laughs> it's not mine either. And before, like, I am not approved by the FDA. This is not medical advice. So I'm just going to drop my keywords. And if y'all want to head to inversestream.com slash health, which Annalise has graciously agreed to put that link in the description, um, that should cover it. So I came out with a low thyroid and growing up, I was always really skinny. I just didn't put on weight. I just didn't put on muscle. And um, it was, I found myself mostly exercising because of dance and uh, thank God I took ballet. That was a huge part of my journey. Um, I built muscle doing that and I built stamina endurance when on my own, I did not have any motivation to exercise. Counting is just not my fun thing. So I did ballet and that was really important in building a skeletal musculoskeletal structure. Um, but my ballet teachers always observed like Meg, you have this beautiful physique but and you do a, you have a really great bar but then you get in the center and you you just you just kind of deflate and your energy plummets and i looked at them you know here i am a 20 20 year old woman i've spent my entire life up to this point trying to become a professional ballet dancer and i trained with some really talented people who i'm you know i kind of wave from the balcony at this point because i'm like nobody on the in the world of ballet which is totally fine um but I looked at them and I was like what is wrong with me and what we didn't know is that I had a low thyroid I my mitochondria just doesn't make energy I have an MTHFR gene mutation um I have cryptopyrrole and I need zinc and b6 to help me have more energy and to handle stress and excitement and um, my recovery time is longer than other people's because of that cryptopyral. Um, you know, farther along in my journey, I sort of picked up anorexia because other kids had anorexia. And so I just figured it was in vogue to be obsessed about your body. And um, like in hindsight, that's what it was. I wouldn't have called it that at the time, but it was a social contagion for how, is that how you say mm -hmm. contagion? Contagion. Contagion. Thank you. Okay. Calliope syndrome has been averted. <laughs> um, so I picked up anorexia in my late teens. And, but then when I got into my twenties and I, I made a lot of progress mentally um, with my mental fortitude, you know, overcoming that and eating anyways. But then I started to get into having um, digestive issues and I would get feel nauseous after I ate. And we didn't know that I had a parasite in my stomach, an entrobacter. And, you know, to drop some more keywords, like I probably had small intestine bacterial overgrowth, which is summarized SIBO, S-I-B-O. Um, you know, in 2015, somebody was like, oh, we love probiotics. And I was like, probiotics, do they even do anything? And yeah, they do a lot of things and they've changed my life. Um, and so... I know what it's like to be undiagnosed and have all of these issues and, um, you know, just not know what's wrong with you and just struggle to put one foot in front of the other. Um, meanwhile, you're trying to live life. You're trying to keep up. And, you know, important little piece of context, I have never been able to run a mile. Like, 
I was homeschooled, so one that wasn't a requirement for me, but I've never been able to run with stamina, even with the stamina that I had at ballet. Um, you know, just endurance was not a thing that God gifted my body with. And it just, it was frustrating, but I accepted it. And in hindsight, um, and I, I'm not the only one in my family that's like this either. So it's it's kind of like a thing that we just have accepted. So I know what it's like to be undiagnosed and trying to be at full capacity with other people and just crash and burn. And so um, kind of the the rest of my biological story, let me tell you about my mental health crash because um, that'll provide some good context. Mm-hmm. So um, I had given up my dream of dance in 2009 and I just started to work full-time. I worked in retail for four years. That was really good for me. Um, And then those positions ended and I found myself working in an office. And the first office environment was just really toxic. I would go to my car to eat my lunch because the anxiety of that environment was just so strong. Mm -hmm. And um, Later on, I went to work for a different office which with a much healthier environment, but there was still a lot of pressure to get things done. And um, I was in the accounting department. I love my accounting people. Um, I never went to college, did not you know, have any skills in that. Fun little God story. I applied as a um, administrative assistant. And when they went to make me permanent, they transferred me to the accounting department because accounting knew that my work was such good quality. They could teach me to do what they needed me to do. So that was mm-hmm. God totally orchestrating those steps. And before that, I did not want to work in an office or in accounting. And I just randomly <laughs> would say that. And then God put me in an office and accounting. So naturally, exactly. Just like him. Um, so it was in that environment and I love my coworkers still think on them fondly, but um, I, was working nonstop. And then the vacations that I did take, I spent on very physically expensive excursions. So I drove up to Nashville in 2015. I was in South Florida at the time. And I drove up 12 hours to Nashville, spent a week there. It was very fun, very exciting. Drove back down. But that wasn't a true rest. Um, And so the time off that I got from work, I wasn't resting. And then in spring of 2016, I flew out and I took more of my my vacation time. I flew out um, to do a music video and dance at someone's music video, um, which ended up getting cut. And um, that video does not exist. (laughs) And which is emotionally hard. You know, you put your effort into something and it doesn't see fruition or what have you. But it is what it is, you know. And May of 2016 was when I started to get hot flashes. I was 28 years old at the time, 29. I was born in 1987 and I was 28 at the time, yes, because I turned 29 that summer. So I thought the hot flashes were just because I was falling in love with my husband, Ben. Um, But actually it was that my adrenals were completely fatigued and um, my stores were just deficient. And so we, my mom and my dad were um, on vacation celebrating their uh, 25th wedding anniversary. And they came back from that vacation to me telling my mom, um, I am suicidal. Um, I had an eight day menstrual cycle. 
And before that, I was just absolutely, my mental health was in the trash. And my entire life, this had been my norm. You know, before my period comes, I'm just emotionally sad. And that's just how my life is. And then after my period starts, literally, it's like a switch will flip and I'm good to go. Um, everything mentally stabilizes and I'm on the next luteal phase or whatever it's called. And I'm, you know, mm-hmm. the plane is ready for takeoff. But I had this weekend where I was just sobbing uncontrollably and I didn't even know why. And I spent my entire life up to that point, like looking for reasons why I would emotionally be so sad. And what I didn't realize was that biochemically my body was sad and there was a huge difference. Mm -hmm. So I can hear the echoes in some of your brains right now. And it is a fantastic sound (laughs) spiritually. Um, Y'all, y'all think I showed up this podcast and didn't have to pay warfare time to show up for this. Yeah, no, (laughs) this is, I I knew this was going to be a good one. So, um, so I went to reply to a friend's tweet and I, I, words are hard. I replied twice within two minutes with basically the same message because I'd forgotten that I replied. That was how I knew that something was physically wrong with me. Um, Mm -hmm. Because the brain fog was that thick. And, oh, guys, brain fog is not fun. Brain fog is real. (laughs) OCD is real, people. And, like, intrusive thoughts. Can we get a moment of silence for intrusive thoughts? (laughs) Or maybe not a moment of silence. (laughs) But, you know what you mean. Uh, I can relate relate to those, and they're awful. Um, Yeah. So 2016 was my low point, and I'm just thankful that my relationship with Ben survived. Um, it was – I'm trying to summarize as best I can, but it was a it was a long, slow climb uphill. And my mom took me to a functional medicine doctor. We got a stool test. We got a bunch of blood work. Turns out I was deficient in – lithium, chromium, rubidium, magnesium, zinc, all of these really important trace minerals. Um, I had candida overgrowth in my stomach. Um, For those of you in homesteading, if you have seen kombucha and SCOBY, that yeast there, um, that's a, a biofilm. And so candida is simply when you have a yeast biofilm on the inside lining of your stomach and the nutrients literally can't get through it. So it is like obviously, you know it's it's a it's a living organism that's in par- inside like super important um, that you have some yeast, but like not so much that you have a biofilm. So I had all of these things that were wrong with me, and we were starting to find them out. Um, and I did record a YouTube video giving more detail into that side of things and the real medical data. And I will also link that at inversestream.com/health. Um, and so. Um, my mom got me some custom vitamins and because I had so much life transition going on, it wasn't, I didn't start taking them until December 7th of 2017, which was like basically a year and a half after I had my crash. But, um, and you were married at that point, Yes. I'd gotten married August 12th of 2017. Um, and we just had so much going on that I, I, I was on a type of, vitamin concoction that my mom had put together for me but 
it it wasn't exactly what I needed. And the custom vitamin blend really did help with that. And like, I'm blessed that my mother had the resources at the time to be able to financially help me and invest in my health. I know a lot of people don't have that. And so one of the things I'm praying about, you know, throughout this podcast and especially, you know, the links that I'm going to reference at my website is I'm going to try to point to people that can give you really practical things that you can do for not a lot amount of money. And so the other thing I would encourage you to do is just pray and ask God to show you one thing you can do. Um, Not a ton of things because we're low energy and we can't do a ton of things all at once, but one thing you can do. um, And all or nothing thinking has also been really hard. Um, But um, perfectionism, we need to talk about perfectionism. We need to talk about it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, So, but to wrap up my health journey, I started taking custom vitamins in December of 2017. And my husband said within a week before that, I had still been depressed and like, he and I were both concerned that he would come home and find me in a pool of blood, like not to beat around the bush. Like I, I was still su- low key suicidal. Um, it took a lot of mental fortitude to get out the door and go to the grocery store. So, um, yeah. When you were in that place, did you, did you want to be? productive did you look at other people and think why can't I be like that what what was your your attitude towards work yeah um was it really discouraging to feel like I I just physically can't do this it was um you know I'm newly married a few months in and this is this is my dream man I mean I I met him on Twitter I've had a I had a crush on him for two years and now he is mine in the flesh and I'm pinching myself and I'm married to this incredible man. He's still incredible. I love him so much. Oh my, that's a God with a capital G for you um, people, by the way. Um, so I, I just love this man so much and I'm feeling such deep affection and I'm recognizing that I barely have the wherewithal to take care of him well. And so um, we had a two bedroom apartment and one of the things that we did was we shoved all of my clutter into the second bedroom and we focused on making the rest of the apartment really tidy and that was super important um that that really helped and then um the other thing that we did see i'd spent a fair amount of time in my 20s i'm not sure um trying to figure out like easier ways to do things i had I'd hand washed my own dishes for 11 years. So having a dishwasher was amazing. It's one of those seasons where I had to accept that minimum, getting the minimum done was going to have to be enough. And my husband, thank the Lord, was supportive of that um, and accepting. And he recognized, you know, I had this data on my hands. He accepted there was stuff that was physically wrong with me. Um, And so having a spouse that was on board and recognized that something was wrong was invaluable. And in hindsight, fun tangent about God's sovereignty and providence. So I got the prescription for the custom vitamins in January of 2017. And I could have taken them at any point during that year and, you know, not 
just like taking them like they were accessible to me, but like gotten the prescription filled and started taking them. Yeah. And I decided not to because I was just going through so much transition. Um, and in hindsight, one might say, oh, well, the beginning of your marriage is harder because you didn't have these vitamins and all that. But at the same time, my husband spent time with me recognizing that that I wasn't okay. And as hard as those four months were, and I know couples who've been through way longer, which just breaks my heart if I think about it too hard. Um, so I try not to think about it too hard. Um, I'm grateful. I'm grateful that my husband has a that personal mile marker for this is how bad mental can, health can be for my wife, who was, and I was relatively more stable than that, um, than I had been in June of 2016. I had more magnesium on board, that sort of thing. Um, fun fact, uh, I after my eight-day menstrual cycle in summer of 2016, I took magnesium for an entire month. And my next menstrual cycle, I was still very depressed, but I was not nearly as bad. And it was a five-day menstrual cycle. Mm. So that has been that has been like an anchor for me in saying, okay, like I get that not everybody wants to take vitamins, but there are, if you if if you've got other underlying issues going on, they're a heck of a lot better than medication. So, well, and we'll and we'll share some of those accounts and and resources that talk about replenishing minerals Absolutely. and things like that. Um because that's their their area of expertise and we can mm-hmm. point you there. Mm-hmm. Um so 20 2017. So the end of 2017 is when you started to take the vitamins. Right. Then you started to see significant improvements. But it wasn't like it's I mean, it wasn't an overnight fix, obviously. Not exactly, um, but I will tell you that it was February within a week I felt better. Mm-hmm. And within two months I was outside filming dance film again. So mm-hmm. getting the right nutrients, it was like a wilted plant on a hot day getting the right water it needs and just like that the head of that plant just lifting and glowing again so it wasn't overnight and it took time to replenish the stores but there was also an immediate effect which i'm extremely grateful for yeah so So when when we started talking was uh the beginning of 2021 i believe i need to go look that up um i think it was like january i know i wasn't pregnant yet but i was like almost pregnant um so we started talking then, and I have mentioned this to you before. Of I have observed a significant change in your capacity since we started talking. Because I think when we started talking, you were still having days where it was very low output. And I don't mean that pejoratively. I mean, it was objectively, it was a low output Correct. day. Um, and then now you are walking dogs for miles and you're making coloring books and you're keeping the house in order and um yeah yes but huge improvement so I guess I just want to talk about 
there, there's so many directions we could go mm-hmm. in. Um, for someone who is in, uh, who is faint-hearted or who is dealing with diagnosed or undiagnosed chronic issues, what what would you say to someone to encourage them? in that space. Um, I obviously write a lot about laziness, but I don't expect, I recognize that there are some people for whom that message is just not what they need right Right. now. So what would you say to people in that place? And especially those who, who are seeing these commandments to be, um, to work hard and to be fruitful and who just feel like I'd love to do that. And I, I'm limited. Yeah. How do you make peace with that? How do you do what you can with what you have? Yeah. I love this direction. This is oh, the first thing that one has to accept is that sweet boy. The first thing. Yes, there are going to be some baby sounds and this is just my life right now. Yeah. So thanks for coming along for the ride. Um, the biggest thing that we have to accept when we are in one of those low seasons is God has a purpose in this. I, I look at my life now. I'm 35 years old. If 17-year-old me or even 28-year-old me had seen me now and compared herself to me now, she would have felt so inadequate. But I don't know how to say this, so bear with me as the words come out of my mouth. If yeah. I had had the energy that I had now, that I have now at age 17, I would not be as fruitful as I am now. Does that make sense? Yeah. Well, and you, you like your, your name, Meg Living Inside Out, you're putting out, what you're putting out is not the result of just a few moments of contemplation. Exactly. What you're putting out is the result of years of struggling with these things. And so there is a long-term aspect in these, these struggles. Um, But when you're in that moment, like unable to do the things that you want to do, what, what does, what does productivity look like? Yeah. um, I remember one of our prayers is in this was praying that we could help your audience you know, be discerning about their own situation. And the first thing is Mm -hmm. recognizing that, okay, I want to be productive and the desire is there. Mm -hmm. And when I have energy, I am productive. And Mm -hmm. so if that describes you, then it sounds like you're physically weak and it does not, you're not idle. So let's shake that condemnation off of yourself actually Mm -hmm. this is real advice physically shake that off when a dog goes through something traumatic and then it shakes itself off and then it restores itself to normal and we have all this adrenaline in our body that we literally need to shake off um shake it off is superior to let it go so (laughs) that's how to remember that um but to get back to answering shake off the condemnation absolutely so to get back to your question how how do you deal with productivity in that moment? Um, number one, when you are laying in bed, thinking about all the things that you need to do and you're struggling, um, first of all, sometimes it's good to write them all down and get them out of your head because if they are just swirling around your head, they will completely yes. tear you down. And 
I have walked into church twice this past month and cried on a friend's shoulder because I've just been so overwhelmed by my do list. Um, and the, the, the breakthrough that I had this Sunday was realizing I need to compartmentalize. And that's not a bad thing in the context that I have, which is I know what direction I'm going. I know why I'm doing what I'm doing. And I need to push the other thoughts out and just focus on the first thing that's important Mm -hmm. and not worrying about the other things. And if you have worry that is like chasing or you around like a dog, you might have biochemical anxiety. So these don't judge yourself. Let me say that again. (sighs) Please do not judge yourself for having biochemical anxiety and thinking that you're just spiritually worried. Spiritual and mental and emotional health are all connected and they feed each other. And so, yes, try and work on your spiritual health as much as you can. You know, be walking with the Lord, you know, look at the Ten Commandments and run in that direction and then love your neighbors, you know, take care of yourself and then love your neighbor as yourself, Um, which is really hard for us to do sometimes when for those of us who are so other-centered, we can barely function. Um, so spiritually, be walking with the Lord. And then emotionally, like, it, you know, note if you have, you know, is there a, a grievance with someone? Has someone hurt you and you're walking through a, a confrontational situation? Like, those can ha- affect your mental health as well. Um, but then mm-hmm. if – but if both of those things – Unresolved issues of the conscience. Absolutely. And – or you know that, you know, someone has sinned against you, but you don't have an opportunity to really discuss it with them, and so you're working it out with the Lord. Those those are physically taxing. And mm-hmm. our ATP in our cells gets used up for emotional and mental processing, same as it does for physical processing. It's all the same energy. Yes. So – Yeah. That's why we need brain food. Is absolutely you know, sit down to have a snack when you're going to write an essay. I was just about to say, writers eat a lot of food in between their writing sessions. They haven't done anything physically, but they've been burning up brain fuel thinking of ideas. Um, yeah. And so, if those two things are as in as good shape as you can get them at whatever time or place you're at, then be open minded to the possibility. Okay. Something is physically wrong with me. And obviously I'm addressing the undiagnosed here um, because there's just a real guilt trap um, for those of us who don't realize that we're undiagnosed. And Corey Malloy's story is such a great example of this, um, if you don't mind my summarizing. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So she and her podcast shared about how she did not have a physical desire for her husband. And she went before the Lord just begging him to fix it. And that was how he brought her into the pro-metabolic eating, which is just huge. And I love how she has so many testimonial stories of I got healthy and then I got pregnant. And it just reinforces the the scriptural command, be fruitful and multiply. Um, You know, when we get healthy, we get fertile. It is all connected and is all part of God's design. And that is so glorious. Yeah. So I want to, I want to go back to, sorry about all the noises. My son is probably going to go to sleep soon. He's just a little bit 
fussy right now, but um, I want to go back to what you said. You sort of outlined a few things, you know, work through unresolved, obviously, first of all, shake off the condemnation, work through traumas that you may need to forgive someone with, and you're not even able to have that conversation. Um, And then you kind of briefly mentioned this of like, if you have a good day, if you have a burst of energy to be grateful for that and to use that. And, and I understand this from like, just the perspective of when I was pregnant and especially in my first trimester, I would have some really awful days where my output was very low. Um, and then if I had a good day where I wasn't feeling as pukish or whatever, like I would run with it. I'd make a good deal, a meal that night, maybe get some groceries done, tidy up the house a bit. And so even if you're not dealing with chronic illness, making the most of a good day, if you are, you know, eight weeks pregnant and puking most days and you have a good day where you have a little bit of energy and you're able to do that, to grab onto that. Um, Motivation shouldn't direct our lives, but when you are in that state of most days are just bad, then we should be ever more grateful for those days that we have enough energy um, and we're able to have a higher output. Um, And And the other thing, too, I want to say is, like, with all this that we're talking about, we're not saying that if you just achieve, uh, find the root cause to every single thing and achieve a solution that it, it solves all these problems, there are, the solution may or may not be vitamins, the solution may or may not be improved nutrition, improved sleep you know, exercise, whatever, um, our physical health isn't promised to us. Right. Um, and, but we live in a world that is governed by ordinarily by natural law in the sense that God has set up things to work a certain way. And when we live in accordance with that wisdom, there are in general blessings. Um, it doesn't mean though that every woman is promised to, be able to have a baby yeah um that you know so we 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 want to to hold that intention with this understanding that we have this world that generally works a certain way our bodies that generally work a certain way but god is able to work in and outside of ordinary means and this also applies in in the positive aspect of you could be very unhealthy but if god wants you to have a baby you'll have a baby and he is so merciful <laughs> um, he really is and he's so merciful so um but but it's worth talking about this because, like you mentioned with Corey Malloy's story of, I want to have a desire for my husband, um, Lord help me. And he answers that not by just zapping her with a, a higher sex drive or whatever, but by showing her the way he's made the world and the principles that um, help to have increased libido and and things like that. Yeah. So, um, it's, it, this is, it's a complex conversation. So, yeah. um, one that I don't have that I'm constantly working through in my own life, weighing God's sovereignty, our responsibility. It's a lot. Okay. So we've talked about, um, you know, when you're in that spot and, but I want to, I want to hear you talk about coming out of it Okay, because you're on the other side in one yeah. sense. 
what does your days look like now? And if you had seen that a few years ago, what you're able to fill your time with now, yeah. um, what would you have thought? And what does productivity look like for you now that you're well taken care of? Yeah. What would you encourage someone who wants to be at that point and is not there yet? Yeah, so much. The first thought that comes to mind is there's a verse in Isaiah that says, my ways are not your ways, says my Lord, says the Lord, and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. And his purposes in this are so much bigger than ours. And we see the short term in the day to day. He sees the eternal. Mm. And yeah. it's hard to live our lives with a proper perspective on both of those. In the day-to-day, something I've really prioritized when I had low energy was making things as easy for me to do as possible. I'm currently in the process of editing a video on tidying. My raw footage is two hours long, so I have some work to to do. Um, This is a super passionate topic for me because the better I can organize my home, And the better I have a healthy relationship with my physical stuff that I am stewarding and taking care of, the easier it is for me to take care of those things. Um, If I know where something goes, I don't have to think about where putting it away in the right place. I don't have to use brain energy on that. And I save myself energy. If I move this basket closer to my bed, then it's less energy for me to get something out of that basket. So finding those ways in your own life, you know, When you are low energy, a lot of times, depending on if you have brain fog or not, or it just depends, but you have, at least I had a lot of time to think. So making the most use of all of that time of thinking and and ways to improve 1% here and improve 1% there. And Justin Rhodes is a great example of this, where he says, if you improve 1% every day, after a certain number of days, you have 100% change. But it's just that incremental wow. progress. Wow. And uh, so an, an example of this, for instance, would be if you struggle to eat regular meals, which in, in turn is going to affect the way you so feel. Real. When you have a good day, prep some stuff. Absolutely. Um, cut up, cook the chicken, cut it up, whatever you need to do. I have a do. carrot salad in um, the fridge begging for me to, well, technically it's sliced carrots in the fridge begging me to do something with it. And Honestly, if everybody just ate a carrot a day and detoxed our estrogen, we would be so much healthier as a society. So, so cut, you know, peel your carrot. <laughs> well, actually, um, if, if, if you, you have, have the, the stomach for it, don't peel the carrot because the outside has nutrients too. Like use every part of the buffalo carrot. It's true. I peel my carrot for it, put the rest in the compost. That's and then fair. I, but, and also um, if you, I need if to you get throw it on. in the trash, that's okay too. There is mercy and grace for not composting. <laughs> we, this is a judgment-free zone, people. Yes, Do not does. be anxious um, about the composted carrot skins. <laughs> so, so yeah, use those moments. I was listening to a podcast called Redeeming Productivity, and he said basically what you said of when you have motivation, use it to create systems that will help you when you don't have motivation. Yeah. Um, I need to listen to that podcast. I've really liked his stuff on Twitter. Yeah. um, I didn't know this existed. And then a friend sent it to me and I was like, okay, this is really cool. Um, But, you know, for instance, one of the things was if you want to set a habit of exercising, then 
when you are feeling motivated, like the night before, set out all your clothes, get your snack ready, blah, blah, blah. Make it easier for yourself. So that remove obstacles. A hundred percent. Remove obstacles from getting, and I think this can go back to if you're dealing with chronic illness, whatever, days are going to be up and down. And, you know, while I never had chronic illness, I did have an eating disorder that led to health issues that led to, I wouldn't call it chronic fatigue, but I, I, you know, would be dizzy when I would stand up and want to lie down all the time and stuff like that. Um, But what you're doing is you're identifying the things that stand in your way and you're just slowly one by one working on removing Mm -hmm. those. Um, And I'm I'm trying to think of just a really good example, but again, the meal prepping or maybe, maybe your goal is something as simple as I want to be more present when my husband comes home from work. And one of the obstacles to that is clutter in my brain right? Yeah. So what what I've talked to you about is like before my husband comes home, I try to deal with as many DMs as I can so that I'm not thinking about, I have to respond to this DM. I have to respond to this DM when he comes home because I've taken the time to deal with that, right? Yeah. So removing obstacles, making best use of those motivations as they come. And then another thing we've talked about is the acceptance element of accepting where you're at with your output. And I've said this recently that we are not all given the same, we're not all called to the same capacity of output. We're not. But we are all called to faithfulness, which, which you see in the parable of the talents, because this, um, this king ruler, what, 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 master of what the house, he? he has these master of the house. He has these three servants and he does not give them all three talents. Nope or two talents or whatever. He gives some more than others. And his expectation is that we're going to receive a return. He's going to receive a return on that. And the first two make a return on what they're given. They're given a lot. They're given more. And they make a return on that. The third sees his talent as so little that it's not even worth making a return on. Um, And he's rebuked for it. He's cast out for that. Um, we have to understand we, we can make peace with the fact that we don't, we are not all given the same amount of talents. Um, also play on words there, but like factually true. Some of the people, yeah, some of the people maybe you follow on Instagram, um, or wherever. Um, there's a, a YouTuber that I, well, she's not on YouTube anymore. She's not on Instagram now, but Sarah Therese, love I love her content. And I have also learned to appreciate her high capacity without feeling like I have to be that way myself. Comparison um, will kill you. The comparison will kill you. So accept that you're not, you don't have the same capacity as everyone else, but then seek to be faithful with what you are given and it's not just like oh I can do more than others but or they can do more than me whatever it's also the kinds of things you can do um yeah God has given you maybe he's given you a personality that is very compassionate and can hear other people's stories and really (sighs) grieve with those who grieve and mourn with those who mourn right and you're able and, and 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 let's say you're able to to 
bless others in that particular way, in a way that somebody else isn't. So it isn't just about, you know, being productive with how much stuff you can get done, but seeing where God has individually gifted you yeah, and making use of that. Um, so I've kind of talked for a long time. Um, we are here to talk but, for a long time. <laughs> but but I want to, to to draw that out is it's not that having a physical ailment or a struggle means that there's nothing expected or required of you. I want to offer a Bible story to complement that because you're so on point. Okay. You're so on point. And as we're talking, I get the sense that someone's listening in and it's just like, I relate to everything Annalise just said. I feel like I am the person with one talent and I feel like it is worthless that I only have one. Listen, God has given you the personality that he wanted for you. He trusted you with that specifically. And a Bible story that encourages me deeply is the little boy who had five loaves of barley bread and two fish. Mm. Barley bread is the cheapest grain. He was poor. He had two fish. Either him or his mom had the wherewithal and the presence of mind to show up prepared. There is 5,000 men at this gathering. 5,000 men and women and children. So you know we're talking about 15,000 people. Also, can we just get for a second like mind-boggling like how physically fit must Jesus have been to be able to project his voice to 15,000 people <laughs> with the audience of nursing babes? But I digress. So you feel like you're this person with one talent. And this little boy has the faith to show up and offer the disciples his lunch. You can share my five barley loaves and two fish. And Jesus takes that and he feeds a multitude, mm. literally thousands of people. Right. And so if you are that person with one talent, I challenge you. I don't know if you've been to the beach, but when you're at the beach, you can stare at the shore or you can stare at the horizon. If you stare at the shore, you see the grains of sand. You see how small they are. You see the moment by moment detail and minutia. When you look at the horizon, you are looking into eternity. You have no idea how God is going to use your faithfulness with whatever it is you're struggling with. We were watching a documentary on Canon Press last night um, about Spurgeon through Spurgeon's eyes. And we got 20 minutes in and it was time for bed, but we were able to see this one part. Spurgeon said that there was someone who affected him the most in his spiritual development. And it was the cook. And her name was Mary King. Mary King had no idea the ripples throughout history. But she worked through her faith you know, the way Philippians says, work throughout, work your faith out with fear and trembling. Bring these things before the Lord that are hard and wrestle with him and say, you know, 
I think about the tenacity of Jacob. I'm not going to let you go until you bless me. And quite honestly, we need more faith like that in the body of Christ right now. Like, there is a time and a place for abundant life, and it is not what the world advertises. And it can come to you if you are paralyzed in a bed. You know, the abundant life is the relationship that we have through the Holy Spirit to Jesus Christ, who stands before the Father God interceding on behalf, and we get to have a relationship with God for eternity? Are you kidding me? That is the abundant life. That is the point. That's the abundant life. And even if you're not feeling it, even if you are so biochemically anxious that you are obsessing over the thing that you said at the tea party last week that made that person look at you the wrong way and will it be okay and you realize in hindsight they just wanted you to connect with this other person better and like I'm speaking from personal experience because I had so much anxiety last week. It was like I am not okay. What is wrong with me? This is... And I'd just been working too hard on my coloring pages and wore myself out. And it's like, okay, let's let's take a nap. <laughs> let's do an Elijah, get a na- uh, nap and some snack. And um, <laughs> which uh, connects to, we were talking about natural order. The Sabbath is God's plan for self-care. Mm-hmm. And six days you shall labor and do all your work. The seventh is the Sabbath. It, that stood out to me because he's not just saying you shall rest on the seventh day saying you shall work six days <laughs> before that end and then yeah but 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 uh, i'm not going to get into this a lot of christians we don't we don't treat the sabbath that way and so then we wonder why we're so burnt out and exhausted um taking the sabbath we need is to, an act of faith taking the sabbath seriously it's an act of faith yeah. um but yes it's god's god recognizes more than us that we need rest. And he's also built in rest into the world because we sleep at night. Mm-hmm. Um, we sit down to eat. Hopefully you're not eating like while you're running around like a chicken with its head cut off because that's not good for your digestion. Your, your blood can only be eat. in one place at once, people. <laughs> So we sit down to eat. We sleep at night, right? He gives to his beloved rest. And then he gives us the Sabbath. So God is interested in our rest. And it, it's it's rest if it follows labor. Because yeah. if someone lives in a lifestyle of, and, and now I'm, I'm kind of addressing the true sloth, not the person that is chronically Clarification ill. Clarification for audience. Like, Right. Um, the what it talks about in Proverbs. I just read this verse this morning about like the door on its hinges is the sluggard on its bed. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Um, it, so if that is the person that we're talking about, um, and I've been there too. Shoot, I can't remember. Yeah. Yeah. And 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 I'll say I've talked about this before. That's my like particular struggles. I have a high capacity for output. I simply just choose not to take it some days um, but or to make use of it. But what I wanted to say was um, it's, if you have that lifestyle like the sluggard turning on its bed, your rest isn't really rest. Mm-hmm. It's just kind of like an extension of what you do all day and mm-hmm. that's not rest. Laziness isn't rest. No. So um, it's rest if it follows labor because you are resting from something. When God rested on the seventh day, he rested from all his works in creating mm-hmm. the world, right? Mm-hmm. So we, we, we have to 
we have to talk about work in order to talk about rest because work is what makes rest yes. rest. And no shame to people um, who have sleep disorders. You have a real thing and we're praying for you. <laughs> right. Um, and again, um, and, and, and honestly, having a newborn too, I have seen the importance of sleep because I do not get I do not get eight hours of uninterrupted sleep every night. I don't even get close to Mm -hmm. that. Um, And so does that affect me? Yes. Do I do what I can with what I have and nap during the day sometimes and whatever? Absolutely. We need sleep to detox Um, our brains. Like there's a whole wash and rinse cycle going on up there. Like you got to give it time. And when you wake up and you feel drunk, (laughs) maybe it's because you didn't get your REM sleep and you were only like superficial sleep. Like it's sleep is not created equal. So don't beat yeah. yourself up for it. There's no reason for that. Yeah. And, and, and the thing is with, with productivity too is it's not the end in and of itself. Correct. And the reason I talk so much about productivity on here is not it's not because I want us all to be busy bees scurrying around just trying to find something to do because it's just better to be doing something. I talk about productivity because it is the natural outworking of faithfulness. It is the verb of stewardship. Um, and and I don't – I know that it doesn't mean just baking sourdough bread and watering your garden all day. Productivity can look like sitting with a grieving friend. Absolutely. Like this is not – and someone actually like messaged me recently. It was a nice comment of like – Hey, like this is sloth isn't just not working. Like there's 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 many ways to be productive. And I'm like, absolutely. You can be busy with all the wrong things. Mm-hmm. And so I would say to go back to kind of our whole thesis of if you are dealing with chronic illness, um and or, you know, mineral deficiency, adrenal fatigue, any of these things, the same pitfalls that you're gonna have are different but it's it's going to be the same basic pitfalls that someone with all the energy in the world is going to yeah. have and that is am i being faithful with the talents that god has yeah. given me sometimes yeah. we idolize the the possibility of having all this energy and we think you know what would i do if i had all this and it, it's just not always the case um faithful with little will be faithful it's with true much. and the two things I want to tie in here is the summer of 2016 when I was really in the depths of despair. I mean, and I and I do want to go back to this. Um, I had so much anxiety that I was vomiting. Like my 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 psyche was pumping anxiety biochemicals into my stomach, and my stomach was like, "We're not having this," and just sent it out the front. And um, that's not bulimia; that's just anxiety vomiting. And my mom's had that like before certain classes in college, so it's not non-thing. And I had to calm myself down by saying Psalm 23 and holding on to his goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And I would breathe in on goodness and breathe out on mercy. And that was what I had to do to calm my brain down. And here's the thing about goodness and mercy. We can't lose them. That's why I drew them as a purple and green balloon for my art logo, because I'm always afraid I'm going to lose these helium balloons and let go of them and they'll be gone forever. But through everything that we go through, God will not 
let us lose his goodness and his mercy. And there is goodness for our obedience and mercy for our failure. Hmm. We can't lose. And if I hadn't gone through that season in 2016, as awful and gut-wrenching literally as it was, I wouldn't have inverse stream art to show for it and these coloring pages. And I'm looking at the horizon. And if, if kids are still coloring these pages a hundred years from now, I have a grand total of 15 likes on my art account. Y'all can change that if you want to. But if I have a hundred, if a hundred years from now, kids are still coloring these coloring pages, then I've done my job. I'm not looking at the short term. That's the difference in perspective. Yeah. Which is not an easy place to be when you're, <laughs> when you're in the thick of it. It's true. Or even, it's true. Even, um, even with pregnancy, when, when you, if you're going through a really hard pregnancy and you're sick, I remember my first trimester, I just thought, what am I, now I have this beautiful baby boy to show for it. Like, <laughs> yeah, praise God. God's wisdom is such that he can work in situations that seem functionally unworkable. Very. <laughs> um, and what I, all I was seeing was the throwing up. I wasn't seeing the intricate details of a child being woven inside my body. And now you do. Right? So if that can be a parable for, yeah, now I do. So if that can be a parable for a, a different situation where all you see is the, I'm not getting anything done. I'm, I'm lying in bed. I'm paralyzed by these difficulties. You don't see what's being woven. You don't see what's being, uh, done mm-hmm. in, Yeah. Um, And you are worthy even if you are not doing anything. Like a plant sits on the windowsill and it soaks in the light and it is existing. And that brings glory to God. And that brings, yeah. Yeah. And and some of y'all that are listening to this, you know, you may be, you may have layers of health issues stacked up on top of each other and minimal ways to deal with any of them. And you still bring glory to God. We need you. Don't you dare give up on yourself. I will come and slap you personally. <laughs> you know, it's. I was actually thinking about this last night. I'm glad you brought this up. Because one of the things that I think for the Christian that we, maybe if we don't vocalize it, but when we're, we, we want to know that God can get glory in the situation. Absolutely. And not just, because I think growing up, I always knew that God could get glory from bad situations. Like, I always knew, like, you know, like the Job kind of thing. But for me, it was a huge realization that God can also get glory by being, by me just being productive day in and day out and baking bread and loving my husband. And that's hard. Too. He can get glory from high capacity people, too. Yeah. He can get glory from, dare I say, put together people. Praise God. When um, they're headed in the right direction. When they're headed that's in the right the direction. If you've got somebody who's um, high productive and they're heading in the wrong direction, that's not that's not doing anybody that's not any favor. I mean, Jonah ran a long way in the wrong direction. And <laughs> we were we were reading this in Sunday school, and my husband realized, you know, they threw him off the boat, and then the sailors noticed it was completely calm, and then they gave glory to God and worshiped. Even in Jonah's sin, God was glorified. And that is such a comfort to me because it's outside our control. And the number of times I I was laying in bed last night thinking about a negative interaction from 2007. It's 2022. So 
that's like what a teenager that's with its permit years old like god is still in control and i don't have to pay that debt here's the biggest thing that has ever helped my anxiety are you listening jesus died for all of my sins i do not have to make it right he will make it right yeah the gospel man (laughs) you can take it from my cold dying hands good luck with that well then you'll be in glory so praise the lord (laughs) and y'all i want to i do want to clarify something like i'm in the best season of my life and i still have hard days I still have discouraging days. I still have moments where I'm just like, can I smash the escape button and get out of here? Because this is hard and heavy. Like, please do not idealize people who are productive because we are still struggling with faithfulness. It's it's across the board. You do not – faithfulness never gets easier. Like, sometimes you have more mental resolve and strength to be more faithful, but it never gets easier. Well, and the reason it doesn't get easier is because when we're faithful with little, we get more. So then we have to keep on, you know, it's like, it would be easy if all I had to be faithful with was what I had 10 years ago. And I developed all my systems and I used those systems and had them down to a science. Right. Right. But it's like when, you know, one example is, oh, I feel like I've gotten this parenting thing down. I've got one kid and I've got my systems. New kid, you know, growth spurt, uh, teething. Whatever. Um, also, my son is teething, and he has the cutest little two teeth coming in. I cannot wait to see them. Oh. Side note. Um, it's going to be adorable. But, yeah, faithfulness systems can get easier, and we've talked mm-hmm. about that, creating habits. But those habits don't exist so you can just, like, be a robot doing the same thing. Those habits help you when you have more responsibility that comes mm-hmm. on in a year, mm-hmm. in two years, mm-hmm. more responsibility. And God has a way of... Okay, I like to say that being a housewife is my superpower because I can drop everything and I can be there for a girl who just had a breakup or I can go check on a dog. I just I have the flexibility of time. Granted, I don't have the money yes. that comes with, you know, working a job, but I have flexibility. Um, it just depends on what resource you want to prioritize. And so none of my commitments are time-based. They're all energy-based. So accomplishing coloring pages. I finished Psalm 23. I'm going to do the Lord's Prayer. After I do the Lord's Prayer, I'm going to start laying out Beatitudes. I know what the front page looks like. I know what the back two pages looks like. Lord, who knows how I'm going to get there. And I'm going to cry my eyes out before I do. But I digress. All of these things, that's just one project. I have a whole list of other projects that I am doing. Mm-hmm. And I just keep looking at God like, Lord, are you going to let up? I'm an idea person. Why, why am I an idea person? This is exhausting. Like, I will I be? Will I live long <laughs> enough to complete all of this? And the simple fact of the I truth is that he gives us more than we can handle so that we learn to depend on him. Mm-hmm. It's profound and cliche because it is true. We need him. And we need to know how much we need him. And if, if you don't have that, like, I don't know the the history behind this. So if I'm wrong, please correct me in the comment section. JK, there's no comment section for podcasts. But a sheep, if it is running away and running away and running away, the shepherd will sometimes break its leg and put it over its neck so it can't run away anymore. And it's in pain and is literally dependent on him. And by the time that leg heals, 
it knows to stay close to the shepherd. Give yourself a big sigh of relief if you've lived that. <laughs> You're here and I'm proud of you. Yeah. And that is chronic illness that huge. That's like that. Chronic pain. I mean and pain Oof. People with neck problems, back problems. You know, I've got a friend who's had, you know, maybe a dozen surgeries and he's still in pain every single day. That's not going to heal to the end of time. I have things in my body that are broken that will not be healed until I get to the other side. And the simple fact of the matter is it's okay. okay. This body is a vessel. And I think this, this may sound like a tangent, but I just thought of this based on what you were saying. For me, in my life, um, I've always struggled with my weight. I've always felt like I wanted to be skinny. God never had it for me to be skinny. Um, <laughs> and I, I even thought it, some of the people that I would idolize in terms of what they get done, I would associate like their capacity with their body type. <laughs> and... I felt like if I could just like lose weight, like I'd be like light and airy and able to accomplish all these things and I wouldn't be feeling weighed down by my body. Like I, I know it sounds silly, but like this is as a, as a terrifyingly is, scary, skinny person. I can tell you this is untrue. <laughs> and that's the thing. I'm like, this is, this is funny. Cause I'm a fairly productive, not skinny person. So yeah. this is um, dark. Okay. But, but I, but I would think these things yeah. and God was just like, no, mm-hmm. you, I'm going to show you that you're like, you don't need that to be productive. Mm-hmm. You don't need that to be faithful and you don't need that to glorify me. Um, and so it's sort of like Paul, when Paul talks about his, his thorn in the flesh and I, and I, I hate to like, it sounds silly. It sounds silly, but that, that has been an obstacle for me to get over of on days where I'm having terrible body image and body dysmorphia. Those are the days that I really struggle to be productive because I just like look in the mirror and feel like, well, what's the point? Like I'm fat, like whatever. Um, but on days like that, God's grace is sufficient for me to still be faithful yeah. and to still be productive. Yeah. And um, that maybe is like kind of a, a microcosm of the other things that we've been talking about in the sense that we all have those little things that we go, well, if this was just different, right? if this was just, if I had the body that I wanted, if I had the, if I had access to the resources, whatever, whatever it is. And is God's grace sufficient enough, not for us to be so-and-so, not for us to be, as productive or as efficient as we necessarily dream about, but is God's grace sufficient for us in our weakness Correct. to be faithful? Yeah. Um, Story time. And that weakness. Yeah. Go <laughs> Sorry. Ahead. Um, no, no, no. So I lived in South Florida for nine years and I found a boogie board by the side of trash can, which is a total gift of God. Um, a boogie board is not a surfboard. It's a really thick floaty board. So you can, lay on it and you can catch the waves and go forward, but you can't stand up. And so one time there was a hurricane coming through and the waves were epic. My ponytail was literally on the side of my head because the water had pushed it (laughs) off center. And I was really frustrated with the boogie board. Normally I could get past the way, the, the, where the waves were breaking and then ride them in. Um, but the waves were so high and the, the boogie board would not go under the waves. And 
I remember being so frustrated with that and just sitting on the shore exhausted because I didn't have the equipment that I needed to do what I wanted. And Mm -hmm. this was a metaphor for my life at the time because I did not have the equipment that I needed to do what I wanted. Um, Mm. And the Holy Spirit spoke to my heart in that moment. He said, Meg, you have enough to train now. You have a boogie board to be in the water learning how the water works, learning how to make the most of it. And when you do finally get a surfboard, you'll have the skill that you need to handle that resource well. The training period. Yeah. Make your waiting room a classroom, y'all. You heard it from Roots and Refuge first. (laughs) (laughs) I love how we're – I'm so steeped in the Instagram world. I'm, like, constantly referencing (laughs) – other people but that's it's fine. called culture <laughs> i've learned a it's lot it's called culture it's called culture this is how it's we culture. do things here and it is culture <laughs> yeah there's 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 the training period and then maybe when we do get our tools yeah we find that what we really needed we gained yeah in the training period and i'm in that season um, now where i have the resources i need to do what i'm called mm-hmm. to do and i have the the Literally, from my husband, I have the time and energy and resources. And y'all, please pray for me that I prioritize him above my projects because it is hard sometimes. But I'm able to work on these things and I'm in an extremely fruitful season, but it's taken me years for my grapevine to grow high enough to get to where God wanted me, you know, skill-wise to be able to grow these grapes. Yeah. It's worth it. And I think about... American Christianity has a way of prioritizing practicality and pragmatism. And Mm -hmm. there is a place for that. It is important and meaningful. And if everybody were like me, the world would not function. Let's be clear. Like, things would not get done and it would not be okay. But at the same time, idolizing pragmatism is disgusting. And one of the verses that I love that Jesus lived into the Bible was when at the Last Supper, the woman broke her alabaster jar and poured a year's worth of nard onto his head and celebrated him. Oh, this could have been such a gift for the poor. Yeah, Judas, you're a thief. Shut up and go home. (sighs) Sigh of sadness for those who do not end up in the kingdom, but we're so close and are weeping and gnashing with our teeth. But to go back to the oil of nard and the alabaster jar, that is expensive. Perfume is expensive. Perfume and dance are one of the most extravagant things I can think of because they are not lasting. They are extremely temporal, and it is infuriating to me how temporal they are. But thankfully, heaven, they will not be temporal, and there will be only ever good smells to all of you hypersensitive smell people because my girl with mold toxicity can smell all the things, and it is not fun, so... Also, we need to talk about- <laughs> And I can't smell anything. Right. We need to talk about the, the blessing and challenges of sensitivity, but that's a different podcast episode. Um, but here's the thing. Frankincense was, the, was only allowed to be burned by itself in the Holy of Holies. And frankincense, when you diffuse it with anything else, it just kind of goes underneath the other scent. You don't actually pick it up. Like you're breathing it, but you don't actually smell it. But when frankincense is burned by itself, 
it has this very distinct smell. And the powerful thing about that is, one, you cannot mix Jesus with anything else and and just, like, God will not be mocked. You know, he doesn't share his glory with another. You can't have Jesus and whatever it is you're idolizing. That's just not how it works. So frankincense has to be burned by itself to smell frankincense. And if you have something in your life that you're idolizing, you know, it could it could be laziness. It could be work productivity. And that needs to die. And you need to repent of that because the fruit of your life and, and the incense of your life has to be purified. Otherwise, the people won't smell the frankincense. Mm. And the second metaphor is that frankincense crosses the blood-brain barrier and it's healing. One of the thing I grew up thinking beauty and art was a waste of time because it wasn't practical. And it is absolutely upside down on its head. Art is not inherently practical, but it is incredibly meaningful and healing. And it gives us hope and encouragement and comfort to move forward. It gives encouragement to the faint-hearted. And, mm-hmm. you know, I I labored over those Psalm 23 coloring pages because I knew when I drew the wolf that there are going to be young women who, who color that wolf in and they process their sexual trauma that they may not even know they had. You know, it's not – the hardship that we go through is not always for us. And – um I want to read 2 Corinthians uh, 1, and I'm going to start in verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our affliction, so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. For as we abundantly share in Christ's sufferings, so through Christ, we share abundantly in comfort too. Yeah. Our suffering isn't only for us. And it's not in vain. It's meaningful. Nor and our and our good things too. They're not only for us. Our gifts are not only for us. It's true. Your personality, the way you put words together, the way those brain connections that you make that other people think are weird, God has a place for them. And if you are walking in righteousness, he will guide your steps. And he will show you where that place is. We've covered a lot. It's been good. <laughs> yeah, this was very, I, I want to say to those who are, to the listeners, this is a Meg and Annalise conversation right here. Because you're like, there is a thread, a common thread throughout the entire thing. But there are many side quests. <laughs> <laughs> Love me some side quests. So I hope that that it was able to be followed and uh, and benefited from even amongst the side quests. Um, last thing, because you, you, you were talking about pragmatism and, and utilitarianism, and there's a quote by Victor Hugo in Les Miserables mm. where the bishop at the beginning, he has a garden, and I, I forget what the interaction is, but he says, the beautiful is as useful as the useful. Mm. <laughs> love that. I love that. Um, <laughs> we love so, that. To bring, we love to see it, to bring this back to our whole thesis of productivity in a broken world, productivity in the midst of chronic illness, glorifying God in the midst of product illness, understanding your your role and your giftings in the midst of 
inequity and not being able to put out the same capacity as other people. The beautiful is as useful as the useful. Yeah. Johnny Erickson taught Love her. I've been thinking about her this entire conversation. <laughs> Me too. And I was like, are we just going to bring this up or are we just going to both like, no. Right. Um, but she was paralyzed as a, a teenager, yeah. I believe. And accident. has been more fruitful for the kingdom than most of us will be able to claim. Yeah. I mean, I try not to compare, I mean, but she's been incredibly fruitful. I guess what I'm saying is, you're right. right. Compare her no, to herself. Compare. And she, she been, would do that. She would compare her to herself. She's been more fruitful for the kingdom with her injury than without. And I would say exactly the same about every second of my struggles. Hmm. And I think that's what I think that's what I want people to hear. Yeah. If you're if you're lazy, to go back to the beginning, you need to hear to kick it into gear. Mm-hmm. You need to hear to to get your butt up. If you are truly idle and lazy, that's me. Okay, that's my struggle. If you are faint-hearted and you are weak, you need encouragement and you need bolstering. I have some coloring pages and, for you. And and Meg has some coloring pages for you. And that you need to hear that you can still be fruitful for the kingdom, even if it doesn't look like baking 20 loaves of bread every day, like Sarah Jane or yeah. whatever, Jane Doe. I don't know. Sarah Therese. Um, <laughs> Therese. I mean, she, I, I love her. Yeah. She, I love to see what she's able to do with her inspirational to me. So but, but what you need to hear is if you're in that place of, I want to be fruitful for the kingdom. I want to do things, but I can hardly move without pain. Yeah. Well, what can you write? Who can you encourage? Mm-hmm. What can you listen to, to build up your mind and build up your inner man and grow in knowledge and grace? Mm-hmm. Right. And even if you Maybe, can't do things that are externally useful if you are just laying in bed and you're praying for people that counts wow. in the kingdom economy yes i cannot wait to get to heaven and meet my prayer warriors i mean for sure first the face of jesus like one day we will finally lock eyes and he will wipe away my very last tear like yes tomorrow take me there but after that getting to meet the people who prayed for me, prayed me through. We have such a small-minded, individualistic idea of the body of Christ and our role in it. We think that importance comes from standing on a stage. And to be fair, God does elevate people. He's elevated Annalise, given her 130,000 Instagram followers. Praise the Lord. But that is not what it looks like for everybody. And it's not supposed to, and it's not better. Like the woman across the street with seven children her heritage in the kingdom is rich and I <laughs> praise God for her. Yeah. Like it's rich. The 90, the, we had a 90 year old man in our church pass away this month. And I was telling one of the matriarchs last night across the table from me, I have no idea how much I am benefiting from his faithfulness to the kingdom. Mm. None. And one day you will know. One day I will. And I am so excited for that day. So just because you don't have any output that doesn't look like something the world values, like Gary V and all the 
Tony Robbins get stuff done people. Mel Robbins, Tony Robbins. Yeah. Same category. Like just because you don't have something that they would approve of, just because they would put you in a category. No, God's not putting you in a category. He 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 looks at you and he sees that boy with the loaves and two fish. And, you know, sometimes we do get discouraged and some days you just have to put one foot in front of the other. And if you got one thing done, that's a good day. I mean, the point is faithfulness. The point is faithfulness. Um, and when we are faithless, he remains faithful. Amen. Just like Jonah, so, even in the midst of running away, God was still glorified. The point is faithfulness. And when we do prove ourselves unfaithful, he's still faithful yeah. to us. Yeah. So I think that's a, a good way to end this. Yeah. Amen. So thank you, Meg, for coming on here. Um, thank you for having me. I'm really excited for people to hear this. Yeah, me too. <laughs> All right. Until next Sounds time. Sounds good. I will catch Bye-bye. you later.